Second Timothy chapter three. We are living in fascinating and interesting times. Um, yesterday, I I read an article by Joel Rosenberg. It started, what in the world is going on? Catastrophic hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, terrorism, nuclear threats. Is God trying to tell us something? And his answer was yes. Um, And he listed many of the things. I'm not going to take the time today. You know the things that are going on in the world today. Um, but he mentions in this, all of these events are not random. The God of the Bible is allowing these events to shake us, to wake us, to get our attention, that we might turn to him and ask him to have mercy on us and help us. And it's mentioned, he mentions a passage from Haggai where God said, I will shake all the nations. And, and as I said, I don't have time to go into it. If you'd like a copy of this article, I'd be happy to, to get it to you. But there were, was one aspect of this that, that I thought was um, very, very telling in this. That uh, he mentioned the scriptures are clear that the Lord shakes individuals and nations that we might let go of all of the flawed political, philosophical, intellectual, and religious notions that we cling to that won't give us true peace, that don't give us real hope, and that can't bring any security, and that can't provide forgiveness from our sins, much less eternal life for our souls. The God of the Bible wants to shake us loose from such things that we might turn to him and to the life he offers through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. The Lord isn't letting America and other nations be shaken because he hates us. He's letting us be shaken precisely because he loves us and wants us to repent and turn to him and call out to him as individuals, as families, as leaders, and as entire nations. You know, sometimes when events come into a nation or a family or a life, um, Satan jumps on it and says, yeah, it's because you're so bad and God hates you. God is at work in our lives because he loves us. Everything that God does is a testimony of his love. And it is an opportunity for us to be uh, driven to the word of God. You notice, in life, there are many, many things that never change. Paul was writing to young Timothy and giving him exhortation. Paul was in prison soon to be beheaded for the faith. And he wrote in Second Timothy chapter 3, This know also, 
that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. They are men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. You've known my persecution and afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So here, Paul is writing to Timothy. He paints a dark picture. The days are going to be bad. He lists numerous characteristics of, of what people will be like. He gives examples of those that men of corrupt minds that um, were reprobate concerning the faith. And he said, this is, this is the world that we live in. He says, now you remember my example. And he went on and he shared about, you know, he wrote to Timothy, you know my doctrine, you know my life, you know my love and patience and long-suffering And he says, but out of all of these, God delivered me. And then he comes back, and in the midst of this dark picture of of very difficult times, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, he then calls Timothy's attention, and he says in verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, 
And he reminds Timothy, Timothy, from a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures. And he said, you were taught those. They brought you to salvation. And then he brings up all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we live in this world and and we say, what is going on today? And all the things, and it's not anything new throughout all of history, but in the midst of this world and the the upheaval that is in, we must have a standard. We must have something that is eternal. We must have something that is sure. And that's exactly what Paul called Timothy's attention to. Several weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 119. And, and I have to tell you, I was, my own heart was challenged by that. And the relationship of myself to the Word of God, and I have been blessed in going back and reading each day little passages, uh, the, the little stanzas of Psalm 119 to remind me of the importance of the Word of God. We know it here, but oftentimes we don't know it here and work it out in our daily lives. And... It is, it is vital. It is, I can't emphasize it enough. It is necessary for survival that we have a fervent, and by we, I don't mean as a church, I mean as individuals. If we are as individuals, we will be as a church. But as individuals have a vibrant, Growing real relationship with the Word of God. Not hearing somebody else talk about the Word, but that we have the Word of God. That's one of the reasons um, teens on up will be going through the book of James this fall. And and we're praying, and I trust you'll join us in praying together that that it will become embedded in our heart and life and work out of our lives. But it is vital that, that we come to remember the things that we have been taught and heard and that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We need something sure in this world today. And it's only God's Word. God's Word is eternal. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. 1 Peter 1.25, But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. Now, I want you to think with me. 
I mean, I'll just, I'll just hold this up to represent money. All the money in the world is going to pass away. All the money in the world is going to pass away. Every career and occupation is going to pass away. Every home is going to pass away. This one may be a hard one for you to swallow, but every family is going to pass away. I mean, God didn't call us here just to build families. Every possession, every every wonderful possession that you have and every piece of junk that you have is going to pass away. And every wonderful possession you have will someday be a piece of junk. It's guaranteed, okay? All of our pleasures... They're going to pass away. Here's one you'll rejoice in. All politics will pass away. Amen? But only God's Word is forever. And you have heard it said many times over, security comes when you build your life around that which can never be taken away from you. And and right here it is, the Word of God. This endures forever. And and it it is of utmost importance that we be people of the book. One, because it is eternal. Secondly, it's because it's profitable. I love 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. God is the author. It's not the work of man. Man recorded it. We don't have time to go into that. But then it says, it is profitable. And he lists four things. God's Word is always profitable, and it is profitable for doctrine. That is, it teaches us what is true. It teaches us what is truth. It is God's mind concerning everything. If you want to know what God thinks, you go to the Word of God. We are easily deceived. And the reason there's so many false religions and cults is because we don't know the Word of God. The Word of God is profitable to give us teaching. If you want to know what God is like, you don't go sit on a rock in Sedona, Arizona and hum and find out what God is like. You go to the Word of God. You don't go to Fairfield, Iowa and and float and find out what God is like. You go to the Word of God. This is all that God has given, and it's all that's necessary for doctrine. And if, if your beliefs and your teachings are not from this book, then they're not truth. This is the foundation. Not only the foundation, it is the foundation in the building. It is the basis for everything. So he says, the Word of God. You go read the Word of God and it's going to teach you. 
It's going to give instruction. It's going to give you doctrine about God and about man and about sin and about redemption. And on and on and on we go. So he says, the word Timothy, days are going to get horrible. But this is what I'm calling you back to. The word of God. It is profitable to you to teach you for doctrine. It is profitable for you to reprove you. Tells us where we are wrong. Now, we love that, don't we? We line up in lines to have people tell us where we are wrong. You know, one of the reasons we struggle with the Word of God, not only because it's spiritual warfare, Satan wants to keep us out of it. Secondly, we don't like being reproved. We don't like being told, no, that is not right. But I can't think of anyone I would rather have tell me that than God himself. I mean, I don't need anybody coming and telling me, no, that is good when it's not. And we live in a day that there are many, many teachers out there that are saying a lot of things today that are not right, but people want to hear it. I just read yesterday an article. Rod Bell, name may not mean anything to you, but he's uh, um, has departed from the faith. He teaches now that universal salvation and there is no hell and everyone will be saved. In the article, it alluded to the fact that Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, I think it didn't go into detail, but grew up in a Christian home, but he never liked the idea of hell, and he's really found this embracing. Well, you know what? A lot of people find that teaching embracing, that there is no hell. And incidentally, I didn't say Aaron Rodgers. I would have said it if it was a Minnesota Vikings quarterback, who I don't even know who it is, okay? So don't get, don't mess with that stuff with me, all right? But people want to know, oh, there is no hell. I can do what I want. And there are voices everywhere telling people what they want to hear. But Paul said, you must come back to the Word of God. And it will tell us where we are wrong. I tell you, if you want to be a champion, you want to know where you're wrong. And as a believer, when I pick up the Word of God, it is good for me. It is profitable for me because it tells me where I'm wrong. But he doesn't just tell me where I'm wrong. It says it is profitable to me for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction. He then provides a solution to what is wrong. Do you understand? God is for you, and he wants to make things right in your life. You've been around people that they can tell you what's wrong. Well, that's not right, and that's not right. But they never have a solution. God reproves us, and then he corrects us. This is not right, and this is how it can be corrected. You are a sinner. You are separated from God. Bye-bye. Have a 
happy eternity. No, he says, I have paid the penalty for your sin that you may have fellowship with God and forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ. That's one way he gives correction. But all our life, he gives correction. He reproves. No, that isn't right. Now, this is how to make it right. He specializes in rebuilding and repair. We have few victories because we don't follow God's instruction on how to overcome. It all comes back to the Word of God. And we would rather have a speaker come in and say, do one, two, three, and four, rather than us go to the Word of God and dig it out ourselves. And God says, it must be the Word of God. We must go to the Word of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So he teaches us. He tells us, no, that isn't right. He gives correction. This is how you make it right. And then he tells us instruction in righteousness, how to keep doing right. How that we can walk in victory. How we can walk in righteousness. We many times have no strength in adversity because we have neglected the Word of God. I mean, you know, I I wish to a certain degree that we could have instant spiritual strength. It doesn't come that way. It comes through saturating in the Word of God and reading the Word of God. And so when the perilous times come, Paul wrote to Timothy, make sure you have been a man of the book. And it will be profitable for you to teach you, to show you what's wrong, to show you how to correct it, and to show you how to walk in righteousness. And when adversity comes... You'll have strength. How many times when people realize Bible truths, they say, I wish I had known this years ago. I wish I'd known this before I did this or that. See, instruction in righteousness. Where do you look to grow spiritually? Where do you look to gen- to to develop genuine love, to resist the devil, to understand God's ways. God, what are you doing here? Where do you look to overcome anger, to handle finances, to raise children, to suffer victoriously? Where do you look how to handle interpersonal problems, to have the blessing of God, how to respond to adversity? And we could go on and on and list all these Issues of life. Where do you look? There's only one place to look. And that's the Word of God. And that means coming back and saying, whatever I have to do, I have to carve time out of my day to read the Word of God. I need to build disciplines in my life to memorize and meditate on the Word of God. And I must be committed to the ways of God and the Word of God. So, back in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, 
The word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect. That means complete, mature, strong, completely furnished unto all good works. In other words, God's word prepares us. You put the word of God in, you will then grow, you will be mature, so that when God drops you in this situation at work, that might not be a pleasant situation, you'll have good fruit come out of your life. And when God brings in your family this situation, you are prepared. And good works come out of your life. It's not like you need to cram, take a cram course. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. You've allowed the Word of God to fill your mind, to fill your heart, to permeate your life. And when you're dropped in hot water, you're prepared for every good work to glorify God. And you know what? The adverse, the, the, the opposite of that is true. When I am not in the Word of God, and I am dropped in life, because life is hard, I will not be prepared for every good work. I mean, this, this to me is such a win-win situation. If I have a heart for God and God's Word, and I make it a priority in my life, God guarantees I will be prepared for every good work. Isn't that what we want? That whatever comes in our life, we are prepared to do good and glorify God. That's that's the whole purpose of man. So the bottom line, it comes down, we need to turn loose the power of God's Word. And it's not like going to a spigot and turning it loose. It's taking the Word of God and reading the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God and having a desire for the Word of God. And it will, yes, it will show us, no, that isn't right. Okay, God, how do I fix it? And He'll show us what to do. And he says, you'll be prepared for every good work. You know what? None of us know what the future holds for our individual lives. So what are you going to do about it? You know, the point is not to get into a debate about insurance or no insurance. The point is, get in the Word of God. That's the very best insurance you can have. He guarantees you will be prepared for every good work. He promises to give His grace. I mean, as I said when when we were on Psalm 119, and God is just confirming it in my mind, what we need in Christian circles today is a revival of the Word of God. Not a revival of people saying, I believe the Word. Not a, not a revival of, of people that, carry their Bible or have the latest neat little apps about the Bible, 
It's a revival of the Word of God in our lives, a hunger and thirst. We sang, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. I mean, honestly, I don't expect the, the world to read the Word. But Christians, we ought to. But we are woefully, woefully minimal in our exposure to the Word of God. And you know what? That's something we can control. No one else can control it for you, but we can control it. And be prepared for every good work, no matter what comes in my life. God, there's no telling what may come into my life, but I want to be prepared. I want to saturate in Your Word And I want to glorify you so that no matter what comes in my life, I am prepared to do good to glorify you. That's the ultimate end of man. And there's only one way. That's through the Word of God. If you were to to describe your relationship to God's Word today, what would it be? How would you describe it? What can you do to take steps to improve your relationship with the Word of God? You can't say you have a good relationship with God if you don't have a good relationship with His Word. They're one and the same. And what God wants to do in our lives, He runs it all through the Word of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring a revival of your word in the lives of we as believers. And Lord, I pray that today there would be believers here that would say, you know what, I have to change my schedule. There are some things I need to remove to make room for me. By your grace, I am going to to make time to read your word, to study your word. And I'm going to bring my thoughts captive to think on your word and the truth of your word. Lord, may we be scripture-filled believers that your spirit then is able to minister in our life that whatever comes in life, we would be prepared for every good work. Lord, I pray if there are individuals here today that have never accepted and agreed with you on the only solution for sin, Jesus Christ, I pray today that they would submit to your reproof, Welcome your correction and call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, may we have a hunger for your word that would be insatiable until you come again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Jason if he'd come and lead us in the song, Trust.